May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you believe the tour guide, I have touched trees that have stood in the Garden of Gethsemane since the time Jesus was here. I've touched the very same trees that Jesus touched. Maybe. Either way, it was a pretty cool experience. A few years ago, some of us from church went to the Holy Land and saw some pretty amazing things. One of my highlights had to be the Garden of Gethsemane, where, where we had half of the garden reserved for our group so we could have some quiet time there to have a devotion. I got to read what happened in that place that night when Jesus prayed to his Father and, and well, then he was betrayed. And then we got to pray to our Father, touching the very trees that, if you believe the tour guide, Jesus touched. And you may be saying to yourself, okay, this guy is obviously selling something because there's no way that's possible, right? And, and scientists do disagree about the age of those trees in the Garden of Gethsemane that stand there today, uh, whether they are actually over 2,000 years old or just 15 to 1,700 years old. Either way, it's pretty astounding, right, to have trees millennia old. You know how, how olive trees work? They're living things, right? So they grow the way that living things grow, and then they do what living things do. They die, right? The, the, the leaves all come off, the branches fall, and, and, and the wood starts to decay. But, but then from the rootstock, new shoots grow up and basically rebuild the tree from the inside out, and, and it, it kind of merges with the wood that was there and, and continues to grow and live. And it goes through that cycle, and it lives and lives and lives. And yeah, botanists are convinced that there are trees around that are thousands of years old. <clears throat> Just don't know for sure about those in the Garden of Gethsemane. But Ralph, our tour guide, he knew. It's a powerful picture either way, right? It's a picture that our Old Testament lesson uses to tell a story, really to prophesy reality. You hear Isaiah say, behold, a branch is growing. And he says it's, it's, it's a branch that, that a new life, a shoot is growing up from this stump of Jesse, right? So from David's family line. He says a branch is growing, it's growing out of death, and it's growing bringing life. It's a story as old as parenthood, right? The father loves the child, and he gives that child everything. Food and, and clothes and, and the best teachers and the best experiences and the best opportunities. He loves that child, and he teaches that child, and he tells that child to do right. But child disobeys. And so dad warns. And child disobeys. And dad warns, and child disobeys, and dad warns, and child disobeys, and dad warns. And then, then he shows the child the, the, the results of what happens when someone does what, what child is doing and, and shows the, 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 the gory details of, of what happens when you do that. And dad warns, but still child disobeys, and dad warns, and child disobeys. Eventually, dad punishes, right? Now, while that cycle has been repeated as long as there have been 
fathers and sons. You know who I'm talking about here in this context, right? God had claimed Israel as his own, his chosen nation, his special people, right? He had given to Abraham that wanderer a promise and a land. (coughs) He had given to his descendants after him promise after promise, proof of his ability to provide and protect. He had given them the best of, of everything. He gave them King David, who was faithful and powerful and, and wise. And, and, and he gave so many miraculous victories after miraculous victories. He gave them a kingdom that was so powerful that David could hand down to his son a kingdom, and his son would never have to fight a foreign army in war. God had given them everything. And you know the story of Israel, right? They, they disobeyed. <clears throat> and so God warned. And they disobeyed. So God warned. And they disobeyed. So God warned. And then he, he sent the Assyrians to destroy the northern kingdom of, of Israel, the northern part, and, and, and told the south, hey, watch out or that same thing will happen to you, so be faithful. And they disobeyed. And God warned and told them to be faithful and they disobeyed. And you know the cycle. And eventually God sent in the Babylonians to completely cut off that proud family tree of David's. The temple was left in ashes. The The walls of Jerusalem crushed. The people humbled. That powerful oak was nothing more than a stump. And for centuries, that's how David's family, the tree of Jesse, looked. A stump. Nothing more. And David was, was so long ago. I mean, they had this promise, this 700-year-old promise from Isaiah. But, but come on, that was a long, long time ago. And the kings after David were pretty weak. And eventually they were cut off too. And then the people of Israel were bouncing between foreign superpowers and, and begging for help. They went and begged the Romans for help. And so the Romans came in and, and, and helped. But then the Romans wouldn't leave. And so they're begging for help from the Romans and you can see why when you think of great King David's hometown, the only description you ever really know of for it is little town of Bethlehem. What was once so powerful and so proud, now dead. But God's word spoke life. Behold, the branch is growing Our text says a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And it would be productive. He goes on. From his roots a a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. I mean, this sounds like another David or or maybe Solomon or really the best of both combined. but, But you look around and nothing. Have you been there with those Israelites before? You've played the good old days game before, haven't you? <laughs> Where you look back on how things used to be, and boy, they were perfect, weren't they? And everything was wonderful and happy, and the, the people we cared about were there, and the, the, the thing, everything was so great. And now you look around, and boy, 
You know, does your family life ever feel like that stump? Or your work life? And you say, man, remember the good old days? Now stinks compared to that. I mean, take Christmas, right? <clears throat> you, you think back, remember, in air quotes, remember how Christmas used to have everybody went to church. Right? And everybody was happy. And there was singing and there were celebrations where the whole town came together, even the Grinch. And things were perfect. And it was just wonderful. Is that memory or is that kind of a conglomeration of a couple pieces of memory and some Jimmy Stewart movie and uh, a Norman Rockwell painting and a Coca-Cola ad? Because you look around at Christmas now. And you say, boy, it's nothing like that. Hardly anyone can, can make it to church. Right? The, the family gatherings, well, that's more stress than, than, than happiness, right? And the people that, that aren't here, that, that, that we wish were here, and, 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 and the problems, and, and man, there's the competition between Christmas and Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and, and the commercialized Christmas, which really isn't much of a Christmas at all. And, and we look around at our Christmases and stump, huh? Or even personally. Growing up, I mean, do you remember stress at Christmas? Do you remember fear or or, or guilt? What was supposed to be so grand suddenly looks an awful lot like a dead stump. And the worst part, just like the Israelites, we brought it on ourselves. Our selfish need to make Christmas all about us, our scheduling that so often forgets what's, what's really important. Our mistaken nostalgia that causes us to take for granted the blessings that God's giving us right now. When Isaiah talks about the judge coming in this text, in the same breath as he's talking about this branch growing, he, he says he's coming to judge, right? It, we see every reason for him to do what verse 4 says. To strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. And he might as well start with us. right? I mean, the bad feelings that we have now are nothing compared to what we deserve. But, but listen to God's word. Behold, a branch is growing. It grows out of death. I mean, to, to you who see death all around, for us who, who sometimes feel that death, his promise gives life. Growing out of the, the, the dead family tree, the, this branch, when you think about the, the setting, right? Having moved long ago from the capital city of Jerusalem, now where was it? In some uh, backwater carpenter shop in Nazareth. And, and even then, couldn't even stay there and was, was sent by a census from the Roman governor to, to go to the little town of Bethlehem where, where David had left so long ago and taken all his glory with it. And there in that dead stump, Life. A child is born. And look at how Isaiah describes him. Verse 2, he will have the spirit, right? Verse 3, he'll have the fear of the Lord. Verse 4, he'll be a good king. But, I'll read it again, he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Just like God brought judgment on his rebellious child Israel, this one that we're waiting for would bring judgment as well. With, with, with his mouth, right? With the word. 
Think about our gospel lesson today. When Jesus came, even his forerunner had some words of law, right? Repent. That was John's message. When you look around and see that your Christmas is more stress and guilt than peace and joy, more sham and shame than glory and praise, well, hear John's message. Repent. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not, bear, does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And then he goes on and talks about the one coming after him, right? Jesus, who, who would be even more brutal, right? He'd, he'd have his winnowing fork in his hand. He'd be burning up the chaff. This branch is growing out of a dead stump, bringing life. But in order to bring life, he first proclaims death to cut off those who think that they are alive, who are are getting in the way of of the growth, right? He brings his word to knock us down for all the times that, that we try to pretend that we're not so bad. For the times we try to put lipstick on the pig of our busyness and distractedness and, and pretend like, oh, that's just good. John's message is for us. Repent. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Just Don't just be going through the motions, but turn. Turn to him. Behold, the branch is growing. And the reason he brings the word of his law and, and, and the wrath is because he has something much better for us that he wants us to be ready for. Once he's knocked away all of the the pretend, all of the make-believe of of, of how good things are, the fake book-worthy pictures of, of, of how everything's just fine, that's when this one who came as a branch in the dead tree brings life. Look at how he's described. Verse 5. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. He came for a reason to be the perfect branch and to perfectly fulfill what he came to do. To make the description in verses 6 to 9 here a reality, right? The lion and the lamb and this peace and all of the animosity is gone and that, that, that no need for fear. Not the perfection of nostalgia that is nothing more than bad memory or mistaken history, but real peace. Because he lived the perfection that we could not. And he died to pay the price that our sins deserved so that we could have real peace with God. And at peace with God, then we can have this peace with one another that he describes. Because he experienced death, real death. Because that's what God promised is the wages of sin, but then he didn't stay dead. That shoot of life out of Jesse's stump budded and flourished and became this this beautiful tree and, and we are the branches, we are the fruit on it. So now, not only is his life our life, not only do we have a guarantee of, of, of future of, of peace with him, but he says we have that even now. We have family here. Look at verse 10. In that day, talking about today, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him. So whether you're going to be gathering with a hundred family members this Christmas or whether you will be all alone, the branch is growing. And he grows to bring life. No matter what your family celebrations and gatherings look like here, God's word today tells you that you, have, you are part of a much bigger celebration. A much bigger party. You know, it was cool 
to be in the Garden of Gethsemane, to be in the very place where Jesus was. I mean, there's just something very special about that. But notice God's promise here. It's not that we get to be where Jesus was, but we get to be where he is. Here, now, in church, where two or three are gathered together, he is here with us and forever in heaven. We get to be where Jesus is. Jesus has become that, that banner that he talks about. You know that picture that he's using there? The banner, the flag, you know, in the, in the chaos of war, there would be someone who was the banner bearer, the flag bearer, and everyone could see, okay, this is where we need to go, right? This is where we need to get either, either for part of the battle or because this is the safe place now and we can gather there. And it's that second picture that Isaiah mentions because he says this place, this safe place is glorious where the banner is. I've really seen that in action the last couple of weeks. You probably have heard here recently two of our older members have died. And, well, the funerals are both coming up this week. And both of them had good chunks of family members as part of the congregation. I just have to say it's been amazing to watch those families look to the banner. Gather around the banner, that promise of Jesus that gives hope in a time of death, that gives peace when peace seems to be broken. Because Jesus' promises are true. Behold, the branch is growing. Your sins are forgiven. Your celebrations have purpose. Your eternity is certain. Behold, the branch is growing of loveliest form and grace. As prophets sang for knowing it springs from Jesse's race and bears one little flower in midst of coldest winter and darkest midnight hour. That flower so small and tender with fragrance fills the air. His brightness ends the darkness that kept the earth in fear. True God and yet true man, he came to save his people from earth's dark night of sin. In Christ, amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep you.